0: this is the biggest one-day dollar decline in like seven years and that's why you get a thousand point dow rally that's why you get the nasdaq doing what it's doing the u.s dollar tumbled to a nine-month low against the euro this past week you're seeing used car prices you're seeing layoffs all over technology and media so i think we're going to just have a little bit less volatility after data showed that u.s inflation was easy
1: uh prices have come down some so there is been some deceleration in inflation
0: Prompting bets that the Federal Reserve will be less aggressive with rate hikes going forward. But where the puck is going is, yay, things are slowing down, and then take a beat,
1: wait, things are really slowing down.
0: For decades, the dollar's been the world's most important currency. You buy energy in dollars, you pay back debt in dollars, and most of world trade is done in dollars. This gives the United States a unique amount of influence, which some countries acknowledge is a challenge.
1: A recent survey by the IMF shows that at the end of last year, the U.S. dollar's share of global currency reserves fell to its lowest level since 1995.
0: So recently, developing countries including Brazil, Russia, India and China have been steering away from the surging U.S. dollar in their global transactions.
1: Israel is making a small but bold statement. For the first time ever, Israel's central bank will add China's yuan to its currency reserves. Out of the country's current stockpile of $200 billion in foreign cash, 2% will be allocated to China's yuan.
0: China, the world's biggest trading partner, could also start demanding yuan or renminbi for its exports instead of dollars. I mean, they're starting to do that already. Xi Jinping just back to what he is calling a milestone meeting with Saudi Prince Mohammed bin Salman after telling Arab leaders on Friday that he wants to buy oil and gas with the Chinese yuan instead of the U.S. dollar. So today on Things Have Changed podcast, we're going to talk about the U.S. dollar declines, why the rest of the world celebrates when this happens, and the possibility of the U.S. dollar becoming less dominant as new contenders around the globe Emerge. If you had known how important the technology economy was 20 years ago, would you have done things differently? The internet, cell phones, the cloud, and data. Things have changed.
1: We're here to talk about it. Hi, I'm Jed. Hi, I'm Shikhar. Welcome to Things Have Changed, your new economics and technology podcast. So, uh, three weeks ago, we recorded our first dollar episode, right? Uh, As part of the currency series. And I made a bold claim. I made a bold claim. I said, crypto is dead. (laughs) It's dead pretty bold. It's up, 50 pretty percent bold. Since then. <laughs> it's up 50% since then. Whatever I say, just do the opposite.
0: That's what we've been doing. That's okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, you should just have a portfolio company that just tracks every signal that I give <laughs> and just do the opposite. And you guys are going to be oh. millionaires in no time. <laughs> uh, to be fair, it's it's crazy to think a few weeks ago back, sentiment was in the dumps, right? We were talking about recession, like deep recession. We were talking about, you know, inflation still running high. Right. People didn't really want to invest in tech stocks, let alone crypto. So there was a lot going on. And what happened since then? Uh, inflation eased. Tiny bit. Yeah, tiny bit. The Federal Reserve is less aggressive. You might read online that they are dovish. Right. So there are two words that they use a lot, hawkish and dovish. Uh, the way I remember is hawkish, they're being like a hawk. So they are aggressive and dovish. They're being like a dove and not being aggressive. Right. So that chilling. might help you. Yeah. They're yeah, chilling. Exactly. So they came out with a yeah. dovish perspective. Okay. You know what? We've raised rates enough. People are uh, freaking out about their, uh, about the stocks, about the interest rates being high, credit card rates being high. And uh, this might actually lead us to a big recession so can you just chill jerome powell and actually that is happening since then uh the dollar is down the dollar is down eight percent over the last three months Uh, dude how correlated is crypto with the dollar because the second the dollar started going down that marked the bottom for crypto as a entire ecosystem it's up 50 percent since then um which is crazy Uh, I didn't see this happening so quickly. But yeah, I mean, uh, if you just live in this world where things happen a lot faster than they used to.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting thing to watch when um, central banks, you know, make monetary policy moves, and we see such large shifts in the economy. I think we're pretty used to that right yeah. the moment rates went up we we saw certain downturns you know in certain industries etc yeah but um you know at the moment j powell decides to do something the world reacts <laughs> and currencies aren't exempted uh from from those reactions yeah but you know the first episode that we chatted about uh like shaker was mentioning earlier was about the dollar strength Right. What happened this year when um, when we started seeing people flock to safety and security of the US dollar, we kind of reminded of that um, phenomenon that people do flock to US dollars when shit happens around the globe, you know, like huge things happening around the globe right now you've heard Ukraine. on the news about all this stuff yeah China. happening in Ukraine yep. um all this stuff with the zero covid intentions of of China right people flocked to the dollar that's why we saw that super large surge in the dollar again we we're reminded how people flock to it during these times of uncertainty um so it's it's unquestionable that the dollar is quite a heavy presence in world economics today but the opposite is also true, which is that the dollar is weakening. That is also a narrative that um, has been played out in, in world markets. And as we started you know, the show on, dollar weakening. But our first episode was on dollar strengthening.
1: Yeah, how fast <laughs> things change. Last year, the dollar appreciated 20% over the rest of the basket of currencies. 20%. That is abnormal that is ridiculous right um so yeah we were going to see some exhaustion there um but still 20% dude you don't get 20% if you put your cash in the savings account like we spoke about right you get what 2% 3% you just park your money in us dollar yeah. you make 20% against all the other currencies like it's a no brainer no brainer so It was such a staggering thing to see last year that now we might be coming back to a place which makes a bit more sense. I think we're getting to a more equilibrium state.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, we we chatted about in the last episode, like what sucks when, when the dollar's up like that is, you know... It's not necessarily nice for American businesses. It's not the best case scenario, especially if you export a lot of your goods outside of the country, right? Because your goods inherently become less competitive. Right. So really high level about those things that we chatted about before, you know, debt becomes expensive to service because again, debt is typically paid in, in dollars. Poor countries owe a lot of US dollars, right? The IMF and a lot of development banks around the world have been given out money in US dollars and people have to pay it back in, in US dollars. You know, commodity prices are quoted in dollars. So inherently it being up isn't great news for a lot of people globally. Right. And so it coming back down a little bit offers some relief and there are a few cheerleaders of this phenomenon of the dollar going back down what are some challenges to the us dollar dominance that we have that we chatted about in our first currency episode right so i don't know this is probably a really interesting conversation for us because we've been following these countries and we are from these countries that um are trying to become less reliant you know, on the dollar because of its outsized importance, its outsized weight in in the world economy. We're all all like, wait, these countries right now that are are pegged to the dollar, which is essentially the entire global market are finding ways to get out of this system where um, the U S is extending their policy with the use of dollar dominance. Right. So a couple of interesting things. And I think, um, if you've taken uh, Economics 101 or something in in university, you probably have heard of this uh, this grouping called BRICS. Um, Brazil, Russia, uh, India, China, and and South Africa are those initial BRICS countries. Now in Economics 101, these were just a group of countries that um, wanted to uh, form some sort of alliances, right? Between themselves economically, some ties, um, some, Political, uh, some policy that could benefit all of these countries that are w- within the BRICS today. And what I have just learned recently is that these countries meet on a yearly basis, dude. I didn't know that. I didn't know BRICS meant yearly and there was a BRICS conference yeah. every year where they.
1: It's it's a big thing. Like yeah. growing up in India, you're like, oh, you know what? We're part of the BRICS. We are uh, the next big really in, uh, okay global trade. Yeah, so all <laughs> of us uh, we tend to know bricks a lot um, just because we study about it and it's routine yeah. routinely covered on the news
0: dude for the the typical American you w- would have only covered this in in uh, economics 101 and that's it it's just something that, that that passes you know so it's interesting for me to hear that these these countries still try to align on, on economic and political agenda right and one of which is what we're talking about today which is pretty interesting because it resurfaced again this year this year's conference. They chatted about a uh, solution to their dependence on the dollar. And this is kind of a crazy stat. Okay. So I do um, I do a lot of work with, with colleagues from Brazil as well. Uh, Brazil is a pretty large economy in Latin America. If you haven't been like paying attention, Brazil, huge economy, All right, Huge country, but also huge economy. Um, 90% of all of Brazil's exports are invoiced in US dollars, despite the trade being less than 10%, uh, actually going into the US being 10%. So we know this as a normal phenomenon that, t- that typically the world operates in dollars, right? No matter whichever country that you're importing and exporting yeah, from, yeah, a lot yeah. of them rely on the US dollar.
1: You trust it.
0: You trust the American bank to transfer your currency to the other bank that will then change the denomination to whatever you know currency you desire. But the world operates in, in U.S. dollars. That's what we're very familiar with. But that phenomenon is so like is so evident in Brazil's economy that a lot of things are invoiced in dollars. Therefore, a lot of them have to hold dollars. These central banks or these countries that rely on the dollar have to hold dollars, right? So it's quite important for them to do that. So these BRICS countries that we're talking about, a lot of them have to have U.S. dollars, and they don't like that. That's not that's not their favorite thing about the world economy
1: yeah we hear bricks a lot growing up in India, yeah. and we hear a lot of bilateral trade. Just think of the number of people that live in India and that cost difference when the dollar was surging. Your cost of doing business basically in global trade is up twenty percent. so yeah, it's it's so yeah. fascinating and it ends up going in this direction where bilateral trade has to be set up in order to avoid this. Because the first objective of the government, the central bank in India, is to make sure their people can be fed and resourced adequately. So wow. they are doing it in their interests. Where okay, let's set up bilateral agreements with the oil-producing countries, with uh, Saudi, with Russia, so that you know we can avoid this huge. this this dollar trap. Because dollar keeps going up, we can't pay it. The yeah. average income of a household in India is far lower than it is in the u.s and they cannot take those 10 15 hit on petrol or diesel costs like it just cannot happen yeah so that's a huge thing where that talking point started emerging during the pandemic and now it's continuing
0: yeah yeah definitely like something that's uh that's kind of an extra layer of security for some of these countries right because if you're if your transactions or your exports are tied in some currency that you don't entirely control, um, that's seen as secure, but then all these fluctuations are happening within it, your trade is affected. So similar to India's yep. case, right, which is what they're trying to avoid. So to give you an example of how a bilateral trade agreement would work just mechanically, let's say the UK did a bilateral trade agreement with China. Right. They have um, an expected amount of exchange between them of, let's say, three hundred, four hundred billion dollars. Right. Um, with those three hundred, four hundred billion dollars, they can have a bilateral trade agreement to say that, OK, these transactions will happen at X price of yuan. Let's
1: yes. Say, yeah.
0: Uh, between China and, and Britain. And let's just say it's in a period of like three years to have to spend X amount of money. In three years, at the end of those three years, when they end up exchanging the currencies again between central banks of the UK, Bank of England, and uh, the Bank of China, they'll have that set exchange rate uh, for whatever currency that they had used between those countries, the local currencies that they, they traded, which is huge. That's huge.
1: Yeah. yeah. So let me give um, you an example, dude. In 21, yeah. 22, uh, and this was a big deal, this made news all over India. And when I went to went back home uh, for a month. There was a lot of discussions of, about this. So bilateral trade between India and Saudi Arabia for 21 and 22 was up 50% in comparison to the previous year. Up 50%. Because now um, India is getting almost 18 to 20% of their oil from Saudi Oil. So that trade now is just, you know, leveling up because they need to get around this dollar dominance because yeah. you know they can't they honestly cannot pay for it right so it's yeah. uh, they can but they you know they would have to pass those costs down to the consumer which they don't which is not possible
0: it's it's not ideal i mean it's, it wouldn't be yeah. the best situation to pass that on to your consumers it reduces demand etc so yeah i mean all these unique cases within these BRICS countries i mean You know you could just think high level of why all of these countries would want to kind of steer away from the u.s dollar i don't have to talk about russia (laughs) you've probably seen on the news why they don't want to be tied to to the u.s dollar anymore but with all this conflict you're seeing u.s give sanctions left and right for the use of u.s dollars that these countries are like wait a minute i can't be independent in in the flow of my money because the u if the u.s decides to sanction me I don't have control over the money that i have abroad and russians Mm -hmm. have so much us dollar denominated assets across the world so many so they're feeling this uh this control that that the us is is putting on them therefore they are also um aligned with this policy shift that brics would like to do now i have to um highlight that Although these are something that these countries would want, this this BRICS economy would want, and they are likely going to go forward with this uh, um, BRICS currency that that we speak about. It's not something that um, is entirely possible today. They cannot decide today, all of my transactions will not be in US dollar, it's going to be in the BRICS currency. They can't. Because some some companies and some countries will still say, Hey, listen, I don't know if I can trust the stability of these five. Right
1: Absolutely. Trust is earned over decades. Trust is exactly. earned over decades. Yeah.
0: yeah, no, it's it's a huge thing, right? No, that's that's true, the, the confidence and trust in, in the US dollar. And you know, people bring up these other baskets of currencies as a contender. But truly, they're very far away from, from implementation, right? We, again, we see this with what happened this year. Um, and for you to be a reserve currency of the world, I think central banks have it in agreement that, you know, there needs to be no capital controls on, on your U.S. dollars. There needs to be uh, liquidity in your U.S. dollars. If they'd like to pull out their U.S. dollars, they can. And, and that liquidity is all based on trust, right? Like you said earlier, that they have to trust that they'll get their money back if they want it. Um, and then, you know, it also relies on the economy and the political environment of that country. So you look at those countries and you tell me what's more stable at this moment, right? It's it's very hard to to be that decision maker. But the truth is central banks around the world trust that the U.S. economy and the U.S. political system is as stable as they put their money in because otherwise they wouldn't have billions and billions of dollars of US dollars in their central bank reserves, right? Beyond it being being the world's uh, currency for transactions and trade. Um, but yeah, that's that's one of the cases. And one highlight with this BRICS economy, right? There's the BRICS currency that is a uh, contender, but there's also the individual countries, which you were just talking about, Shaker for India is, is a very unique case as well for these bilateral trade agreements, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but China as well is one of those countries that I think people are highlighting quite a lot when they chat about the US dollar dominance. And I'll I'll give you examples of why. You heard about that crazy belt road initiative that's been all over the news, right? Where China's like building this uh, silk road kind of 2.0 or something like that, right? This crazy amount of trade that they want to hold between the world, because truly, China is the world's biggest trading partner. You know, that's just, that's how the world operates today. A lot of manufacturing is done in China, you know, so they want to be able to create this belt and road, which is their belt and road initiative to be able to trade with, you know, a lot of the countries that they trade with today and not be um, limited by the current trading routes that they have today, which is dominated by Western countries. Um, And so by them doing this belt and road initiative, uh, it's a unique opportunity for them to start charging people, their interest and the money that they lend to these countries that make these ports, these, uh, railways and everything for belt and road initiative to be possible in renminbi or yuan slash yuan. Um, and this is huge because that's billions and billions of dollars that will be transacted in the Chinese yuan. Right. So it's kind of, that's one way that the China is doing it already. Another way is they're just generally lending a lot of loans to these countries in Southeast Asia. You know, you don't hear a lot about this, but there's a huge um, other hegemon that's coming out of the East that's lending a shit ton of money in Yuan and asking for people to pay back in Yuan, um, which is, you know, these countries that the US wouldn't lend to because of non political alignment or something, you know? So China doesn't care about all that shit. They'll just lend. And, um, belt and road initiative is one of them another thing is that because they're the world's largest trading partner i mean why not ask everybody to pay them back in yuan you know that's another obviously people will really detest to that because it's it's again the safety of your government there's capital controls for example for everybody that lives in china right you can't bring 50k out of china without the government's approval which is kind of crazy i don't know if y'all knew that um i didn't but yeah something i just learned right so they will know if you had invested somewhere else, and they'll have that on record. So it's like, it's one of those things that could be a challenge into becoming a, a reserve currency, is because of that fact. And um, recently, we have seen people adding yuan to their reserve currencies. Their central banks have been kind of buying yuan because China's been kind of asking for some of their uh, trade to be done in yuan. The really interesting thing, and the last thing I'll point out about China, dude, is is energy which this is a, a crazy thing. You chatted about India. China buys a shit ton of oil from Saudi. Okay? okay. Also Russia, but but also Saudi. And recently, and this was just this year, they had asked Saudi if they could price some of their oil in Yuan. Hasn't been done yet. Obviously, we have this agreement coming all the way back in the 70s that, that all oil coming from Saudi Arabia will be invoiced in US dollar. Yep. That's an agreement that's lasted in exchange for U.S. protection of of Saudi Arabia and weapons selling to them. That's very unique, by the way. um, They're able to to price everything in U.S. dollars, this large commodity in U.S. dollars. Now, China's challenging that question by asking for it in yuan, which is also freaking interesting because China's one of the largest consumers of oil, right? So, you know, that's just another thing. China is a, is a big highlight here on on contenders, so they so have a lot of
1: influence. Going on. so yeah, dude, interesting narratives. so much.
0: Yeah, so we we started off the call basically by saying, "Yo, you know, is the dollar going to continue to be the world's reserve currency?" You know, all these contenders we chatted about during this call, right? So I think um, safely we can say, and throughout throughout the research that we've done, the dollar is going to be up there for a long time. I think. From what we've seen so far what's been exhibited especially this year with the shifting values of currency it's still going to remain one of the the most important currencies out there for a long time um but these contenders are not something that we should downplay i think it's good we when we did the research you know we kind of learned about all these other contenders which we didn't think were possible but are kind of showing us today that oh it's very possible for people to start um having reserve currencies that uh are not the us dollar right um the share of of us dollars in across the world's central banks as a reserve currency is still quite high it's still above 60 percent of whatever is in um, your central banks it's usually dollars but they are starting to add into the mix other currencies that we were just chatting about today to be able to do those transactions and be a little bit more diversified to um the surges and and downfalls of, of the us dollar It's really interesting to see that the world is is kind of coming up with alternatives to just using one reserve currency. But by far still, the dollar remains pretty supreme (laughs) across the board. In our next conversation, we're going to chat about more of these alternatives and kind of deep diving into them, even if they're not so close to replacing the, the dollar yet. They are very viable alternatives to the US dollar. So until next time, stay curious.